out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I speak with my friend Francis. I've actually known Francis, or maybe know of Francis, for quite a few years already. But it was only last year, due to the Recovery Festival, that we got to know each other much better. I'm doing her TRE classes every few weeks and find it immensely valuable. Maybe it's now the time to clarify that TRE stands for Trauma or Tension Release Exercises. I'm trying to keep these recordings shorter these days, so I ended Francis and Mike chat after about 30 minutes. So she sent me a message afterwards asking if that was it. I responded that it was indeed, and I asked if there was something else she wanted to talk about. And she replied that yes, she would like to discuss something else. So we reconnected, and it was then that she told me about her exciting community work, which you are about to hear all about. If you want to reach Francis, go to the Prospect Hill Recovery Practice website, which is www.prospecthill.co.za. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me directly on any of my social media platforms. This is Francis' story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Good morning, Francis. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. How are you doing today? Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, as I was saying, I just went for a nice run, so it's a, uh, I love to start my day like that, and it just makes me feel fresh. Where are you? Are you in, in Cape Town, in Plumstead, in Weinberg, in... Where are you? <laughs> no, I live in Capri, which is just past uh, Nordic, so in okay. the southern peninsula of Cape Town, yeah, and it's, it's a lovely suburb, uh, quite nice, doesn't have any um, street lights, so you can see the stars at night. Oh, my word. So you are behind the lentil curtain. (laughs) (laughs) That is what some people call it, yes. (laughs) Do do you eat meat? I do eat meat, but not as much as I used to. We do eat lentils. (laughs) (laughs) I told you you're behind the lentil curtain. (laughs) And I don't eat meat and I live in the far north, so... (laughs) So I am the odd one out. I'm being, I feel very judged in, in this environment. Maybe I should make a geographical move. Francis, are you Cape Townian? Yes, yes, yes. I grew up in Cape Town and then I studied in the Eastern Cape in Grahamstown. Ah, um, you were behind the, the marijuana cloud. <laughs> something like that. Yes, rather that. in the marijuana cloud. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think after school, you know, I'd, I'd had sort of 18 years in Cape Town and I just um, felt like a bit of an adventure and it had something to do with what I was wanting to study. So I went up there for four years. Why did you study? Well, the reason I chose Rhodes was because of human movement science. Okay. Which I actually studied and then my, my sort of second major was psychology. So I've got okay. both degrees, but I kind of lost interest in, uh, interest in the human movement 
and then followed the psychology road until more what? recently we have then come back to the body you know through the body through the TRE ah okay but we'll we'll follow that journey at, at a later stage were you very sporty at school yes i did a lot like, of you, you look like a very active active type of person what sport did you do everything here i mean i think from probably from about six or seven you know my parents were runners at that stage so they used to go running we used to be on our bikes eventually i got into running you know and we did a lot of cross-country running water polo, swimming, hockey, netball, you know, I, I did it all. Well, it was something that came easily to me and naturally, you know, it was one of my assets, I suppose. And I've always used it, you know, to manage stress uh, okay. and you know, to, enjoy, to enjoy myself, meet people, things like that. Okay. And if you say you went for a nice run this morning, what does that mean? How many kilometers are we talking about? <laughs> Today, I think I probably did about six, you know, so okay. I've only... You know, You're not I'm one of those people obsessively checking your, your distance and your time and no, your no. heart rate and... Yeah. No. no, I mean, I don't even have one of these Fitbit watches. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Cool. I've, I'm so happy to hear that. Well so done. <laughs> I'm happy with being a 5K. If I can sort of push to 10K, that's fine. But, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not a kind of ultramarathon or uh, person, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I must get you... To, to, to join our eyes to eye movement. It's a friend of mine who she actually lives in Komiki, so not too far away from you. And she in 2018 lost her eyesight. Within a period of three weeks, she went from being completely okay to her eyes starting to hurt and itch and everything to being misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed to going blind. Wow. With extreme pain attached to to her eyesight. And what ultimately happened was that she had a, a muba in her eye that was eating her cornea. Oh. And because they didn't have the specific medical equipment available in the Western Cape, they couldn't diagnose her with it. Mm. So she is now, she had two cornea transplants and she really, really still struggles with her eyes. So she started a company called Eyes to Eyes. And the purpose of the company is to raise money for a confical microscope in the Western Cape. Because she says she can't, she can't accept that this just happens to her for no reason. She, she must try and give meaning to this. So she committed to doing, to running or walking 2,020 kilometers in 2020. And I decided to join her on that. The problem for me was the minute I started running again after many months of not, my knees completely gave in. Yeah. Um, I used to be hurt in my young days, so I've got all those knee, hip, ankle problems. But I've now got new inner soles, which I'm busy with that period where you wear it for an hour and then two hours and three hours and four hours. So once I'm used to it, I can start running again and get my 2,020 kilometers up. So once everything's through, I'll send you the link to join our Strava club and you can join, you can run for Ike in Cape Town. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at least when you're struggling on this up a hill, you can think to yourself, I'm doing this for, for a good, for a good cause. <laughs> yeah. Did you grow up religiously? Uh, no, no. So my parents are... Uh, originally British, but they moved to South Africa about 50 years ago, and I suppose they were they were brought up with some kind of Christian, you know, background. 
but they wow. weren't practicing. So, you know, I didn't go to church or anything in my young years. And in high school, I think partly due to curiosity, you know, I did go to church and I um, went to the, the church sort of peer group and I, and I did develop, you know, quite a strong faith. Okay. And I remember that relationship, that feeling, you know, to God or higher power, you know, which, which, which did help me. Then I started to explore a little bit more and okay. went into sort of different religions, different practices. So, you know, now I'm not religious, but, um, you know, I do have kind of wider, wider beliefs, I suppose. Okay. So what I'm hearing from around high school, the, the, a need developed for, mm. for, for some form of, of, of higher being, of a greater entity, of, of whatever you want to call that. And mm. you actually went in search of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose it, it might have been, um, it might have started through school education, you know, from people suggesting that they were uh, trying different paths. And so, yeah. um, you know, that curiosity led me to going to the Hare Krishna temple and, you know, okay. to... Oh, wow. Um, who were to Muslims, you know, and to people following the Jewish faith. Um, at one point, I had a boyfriend who was Jewish, and we used to have the Friday uh, suppers. You know, I learned some of those practices. Okay. But, yeah, it was, you know, the Hare Krishna temple was amazing. You know, I mean, the singing and the dancing and the food that they offered, you know, was amazing. Yeah, really. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I actually sometimes feel sorry that I was so closed-minded mm. because I went from from a Christian being to to atheist, just okay. one one jump. And then when I came into recovery, it was kind of, okay, now I need to find something and I found nature. And and so I didn't even go go in search. It was just kind of pop, 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 the, 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 the quick jumps. Yeah. So um, when you went to varsity, yeah. what, what made you decide to do psychology with the human movement thing? Um... You know, in high school, it was probably, yeah, right about high school, yeah, a lot of my friends, including myself, um, started experimenting, you know, and having a bit more fun, you know, drinking and, and, and using substances. Um, and for me, it was always fun. I never went, you know, too overboard. It never turned into an addiction for me. But for many, okay. many, many of my friends, it did. Okay. Uh, I was always on the other side. I suppose we can call it codependent. I was always the caretaker. I was always the one who used to drive the car home. You know, <laughs> the person who was freaking the out. The one dishing out the water during the ecstasy trips. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, and I suppose just in terms of my family, um, I've got a twin brother. Uh, oh. Yeah. He also went uh, a little bit too much into that. Okay. So he had his own kind of addiction problems, mental health problems. And so it was just an, a familiar role for me, you know, to, to be okay. the caretaker. Yeah. Um, and so it made sense for me to follow that in terms of psychology. Okay, awesome. What I can hear from you is, is psychology definitely resonated with you because you work as a counsellor. You've got a dual role. You work as a counsellor and a TRE practitioner. Mm, exactly, yes, yes. 
Yeah, that's how I know you because I join your TRE classes, exactly. which is this coming Thursday night, which I'm really looking forward to. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. When you said earlier that you, I didn't know that you were an athlete earlier, but all those sort of knee problems and ankle problems, TRE can, can really assist with that, you know, so keep oh, going. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely, as you know, I join your classes on a monthly basis. So, and I, I'm, I'm very surprised because I was so embarrassed the first time I saw videos of it and it looked so weird mm. that I just didn't, I I was so self-conscious that I just didn't want, I didn't want to look like that, <laughs> as easy as that. So the first time I ever did it was, um, I think with, with, was it with you? Did you ever do TRE classes at, uh, uh, at Ikande? Yes, so I was running okay. the TRE classes for a long time at Ikande, so I think we probably, Okay, yeah. so, so it must have been with you when I was doing my internship as a counsellor at, at Ikande. And they asked me if I wanted to join the class, and at first I said no because I was too self-conscious, and then I said, okay, I'll join, but I want to be right at the back of the class where <laughs> the clients can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I never did it for a while, and then your invitation started coming, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm so grateful for the open-mindedness that I got in recovery because I, I really try everything. And the things that I enjoy and the things that work, I, I stick to. And the rest, I can say that I've tried. And I will never recommend anything to a client that I haven't tried myself. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, yeah. so that, that's something I believe in. Is If I want a client to try it, I must have tried it myself. Mm -hmm. um, to, to at least give my own experience. Yeah, and that's what so modalities as well over the years you know and uh you know theory is one that just resonated with me you know among yeah. others you know, but yeah okay tell us a little bit about what what is theory uh, for the people the people who's been be listening for the past five minutes thinking what the fuck are they talking about who are these people <laughs> so tre stands for tension releasing exercises when i got to know tre it was called trauma release was that just a, the Afrikaans word is a vessel forum. You can either use trauma or tension, or was it a, a, a rational decision made by TRE practitioners to, to, to move away from trauma to tension? Yeah, no, 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 exactly. So it originally was known as trauma release exercises because it was designed for soldiers coming back from wars. Oh, wow. So David Baselli, the founder, literally developed this for soldiers with PTSD okay. coming back with trauma. Yeah. As I'll talk about it just now, the seven exercises were initially designed in quite a sort of militaristic way. You know, you had to do the seven exercises, you know, and soldiers wanted it that way, in a, in a way. Okay. Used to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then over the years, uh, David and the rest of the TRE providers um, started to realize, but this is actually, uh, can be used for, for tension as well, for stress okay. as well. And that's why it's then become known as tension release exercises, yeah. Okay. So, yes, that's what it's called now, tension release exercises. And really, it's a set of exercises that's going to bring on a natural reflex mechanism, as in a shake, that's going to reset your nervous system and bring you back to a state of balance. Okay. Uh, it's a natural phenomenon that we're all born with. All mammals have this. But as humans, partly because of the development of our frontal cortex, our thinking brain, exactly like what you were talking about earlier, we've, we, we're a bit sort of ashamed of, of shaking. You know, there's yeah. this 
thinking that uh, it's bad, it's wrong. It's it's being pathologized. It's actually part of anxiety uh, disorder symptoms. You know, if you shake it, you're told you're anxious. But it's just a natural response to the extra tension in your body trying to get out. Yeah. Were you the one who told the story about when an animal... Yes. has been hunted and, and it managed to get away. That yes. invariably what we see is it giving that shake. Yes, totally, totally. So normally I give that example of the lion chasing the, the zebra. Yeah. And, you know, as any mammal, when they're under threat, they're going to, first of all, try to fight. Then they're going to try to flee. And if neither of those options work, then they're going to freeze. So the yeah. zebra will literally, its muscles will lock and it will drop to the floor, so that's known as the freeze. Then the lion thinks, oh, well, the zebra's dead, and so the lion then wanders off and loses interest. And soon afterwards, the zebra realizes, okay, the the, the, the lion's moved away, and instinctively, its muscles start to shake. So all children from having just escaped death, out naturally. Certain death, yeah. the shaking and so it just allows the shake you know there's quite a few videos on youtube that you can watch it does look a little bit strange but it also looks very natural um there's often quite a lot of sounds and then after a couple of minutes the zebra gets up and walks away and it carries on its life grazing and mating until the next time the line yeah so how did you end up in tre how did that happen Wait, well, before we before we get to that, I, I, I want to change my question to what happened first, counselling or TRE? Yeah, so counselling. So, I mean, after okay. my studies at Grahamstown, then um, because of the South African system, um, I came out with a psychology honours, but you couldn't actually do anything with a psychology honours. So I thought, well, let me get some experience. I did things like Lifeline. I trained actually as a TEFL teacher, so I taught English for a while. And then I went overseas to England for six years. And that's where I did some more studies. So I qualified um, in addiction therapy. Okay. I I trained up at the Priory. I did some internships. Oh, wow. London and in, in Bristol, which was amazing, really, really great exposure. And then I worked in prisons. Okay. And um, how the hell did that happen? In prisons uh, in, in the UK? Yes, this is in okay. London. So there's a wonderful program or organization called RAPT, Rehabilitation of the Addicted Prisoners Trust. Okay. And they uh, are based in the prisons around the UK. And their intention is to find the prisoners who are interested in coming into recovery, move them into a different um, uh, part of the, the, the jails, and then offer them a 12-step program. Okay. Uh, because I was now an, a trained addiction therapist, I thought, well, let me give this a shot. Yeah. And I was basically doing, I suppose, motivational interviewing you know, in the wings, walking around with the prisoners and getting them to move across to a sober wing. Okay. So that taught me a lot about boundaries. Uh, I think I literally grew taller because I had to be quite strong. This was and prison. Was were, a you, were you in a, in a, in a male, male or female? Male prison in Brixton. Oh my word. That um, must be scary as hell. 
yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was initially, but then I just realized, well, look, they're just people, you know, yeah. who've maybe got on the wrong path, you know, many of them were using most of the crimes or most of the prisoners were sort of remand, they were remand prisoners, so they weren't serious crimes. Okay. Sort of more kind of petty crimes because of addiction. Often. Yeah, okay, yeah. Stealing um, the odd cell phone, the copper cables, that type, <laughs> that yeah, type of thing. Yeah. You know, things like um, ABH and, you know, or violence and... Yeah. But I think it just taught me that they're just people. You know, they're just people who probably had been through trauma and, you know, got onto the wrong path. And I just spoke to them like normal human beings, tried not to judge them and yeah. tried to help them. So I stayed in the prisons for a little bit. Then I started working in the outpatient program so they would be released from prison come to the outpatient program and that was a 12-step program um, oh cool so yeah for quite a long time then i worked in the rehabs in england i did some work in schools in england which was also quite intense <laughs> working in a inner city london ah. <laughs> and um, that was sort of all working with behavioural issues and not so much such substance abuse because it was a primary primary school level, but certainly behavioural issues. Okay. And then I met my husband and came back to South Africa and carried on working in the rehab system for quite a long time. Yeah, and that's okay. where I was exposed to TRE uh, whilst I was working at a rehab. Okay. And is your husband South African? Yes. So um, we actually met in Grahamstown and we were part of the same group of friends. Um, we actually almost lived together. <laughs> and then, you know, years passed and I was living in London. He had just been to Argentina on a holiday. Uh, he came into London, came to visit a friend, that friend I was actually living with. <laughs> and, you know, this, this is uh, serendipitous, you know, I yeah. think. Destiny, I don't know what you want to call it. Awesome. I hadn't been in London that long. I was a bit sort of confused because I'd, you know, done all these psychology studies. I was then teaching English. So I was a bit, didn't quite know where I was going, what I was doing. I wasn't particularly happy being in London because it was grey and cold. Well, <laughs> and, I get that. <laughs> and I was used to being, you know, from Cape Town. And so I moved to Ireland. And okay. when I got there... It was grey and cold. <laughs> and surprise, also, surprise. Well, I'd moved across with my friends uh, from university. I just wasn't happy there. So I'd literally been there for a week and I ran into a friend from Rhodes University. And um, he said to me, I'm doing the Camino. And I said to him, what is that? Uh, and when I found out that it was, you know, this huge uh, pilgrimage, this hike, you know, spiritual journey, I said, right, I'm doing it. And I went back to London, bought a tent, bought a backpack, and a couple of, uh, was a couple of days later, we oh, wow. uh, had flown through to, to Spain. Oh, cool. And how, how did you find the experience? It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I think that definitely was a spiritual journey because we chose to do the northern route, which is the it's the it's the rare route. So you know, no one really does that. So we hiked for seven weeks. Wow! And in those seven weeks, we came across four pilgrims. Oh wow! So is that was, cool? 
yeah. And what you, time you, of the year was this? Uh, this was August, so it was it was hot. So you know, if you do the sort of French route, the which is the the kind of normal route, you, you're yeah. literally working with hundreds of people, and, yes. and you know, almost thousands. And we didn't yes. want that experience. You know, um, yeah. none of us. I get that completely. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted nature. We wanted quiet. We wanted introspection, and we literally didn't really know where we were going. I mean, you, you're sort of given a map, but um, because this route is not well well walked, we got lost a lot. <laughs> and so, Did you, you know, not follow the shells? <laughs> yeah, it kept on trying to find these shells, you know. And often, you know, the day would come to an end. We wouldn't. There, there were hardly any. Um, little albergs, the place, places where you stay along the way. So we just used to put up our tent, you know, off the highway or oh, in some good. farm, gather some berries and grapes, you know, and just <laughs> eat those, <laughs> try and buy baguette along the way. And, Amazing. Um, yeah, no, that was really, it, it was very hard, you know, seven weeks was very challenging, you know, to walk that time. Yeah. But it's pr probably the longest time that I've had to think, to really yeah. think about my life and what I was doing and where I was going um, and yeah probably also to grieve there have been some quite difficult things that had happened in my life and with my family with my brother so a lot of that sort of came out in that walk you know but um, yeah. by the end of it I decided to stay in the UK but I had a little bit more focus yeah okay that sounds wonderful I want to do the Portuguese Camino yeah. Because I've virtually been to most of the Western European countries. Yes. But I haven't been to Portugal. So it's yeah. a good opportunity to do to, to, to do Portugal and to do the Camino because I also want to do the Camino. So uh, um, the Portuguese one is absolutely amazing and it's something that um I've set a goal as for my for my fiftieth, which is not too far off. Uh huh. <laughs> doing some friends and doing that, the Portuguese oh, one. Awesome. Now it's just to convince the husband to do it to do it with me, yeah, <laughs> which will be more 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 difficult than anything else because he he, he just thinks I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis, um, so you came back to South Africa for for love. Yeah. So you can so you yeah. can also sing the song what I did what I did for love, like I yeah. landed up in Somerset West for 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 love, um, and. What made you come into private practice? Because you are now a private practice in private practice for for both counselling and theory. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you know I came back and I started working at the at the rehabs and I jumped around many different rehabs. Um, and after about ten years of working in the rehabs, I was really quite burnt out. And one of my colleagues along the way said to me, "Listen, Francis, if you're going to stay in the rehab system," You've got to, um, what did she say? She, she basically said, get out of working in the rehab full time and get into private practice. So she was much older than me, much wiser than I was. So I listened to her okay. and I joined Prospect Hill, which is where I've been for 10 years. That's uh, long already. Oh, wow. Yes, we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. Oh, awesome. Mm. Uh, within those 10 years, I've always continued con to to consult at various rehabs, so I still dip into them, but I haven't been, you know, full time for. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, private practice. I mean, I I carried on, or well, I still do addiction therapy, but in the last ten years, I've sort of widened my 
approach, I suppose. And that's how I came to TRE. That's how I have come to things like tapping, emotional freedom technique. Or... Do you do that as well? Mm, do that as okay. well. Also do the quantum energy coaching, which is also a phenomenal approach. That's one um, thing I don't know. Quantum energy coaching. What yeah. the hell is that? <laughs> Explain yourself, young lady. <laughs> so um, QEC, it was developed by a TRE trainer who also is a doctor and a, and a psychotherapist. So she's, you know, she's been in the field for 50 years. And she, after 50 years of practicing, was just frustrated that people weren't changing. And she came up, she did a whole lot of research and put, put about five different sciences together um, to come up with QEC. And I'll just, okay. the, the, the sort of different things that she put together to create QEC is, include things like epigenetics, um, the Psych-K approach, cardiac coherence, quantum physics and neuroscience. Okay. So that's all sort of, you know, you can probably spend hours talking about each one of them. Yeah. The basic concept of QVC is that um, it changes your, your, belief, your limiting belief system. Oh, wow. So you are accessing those beliefs that are limiting you through having a conversation and then using sort of a mixture between body-oriented approach and an energetic approach to get to those subconscious beliefs and to change them. Okay. So in the session, you, you, ex you, you go through an experience of accessing a subconscious belief, bringing it to the conscious, changing it at the subconscious level, so that by the time that you leave the session, you actually feel different. And then you okay. can use that muscle testing to show the client that you are different. Yeah. Oh, whoa. That is, uh, that's definitely one modality that I haven't heard of yet. Yeah, so, no, um, it's, it's lovely. Because what, what really worked for me was a combination of TRE and matrix reimprinting. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. When, I, when I started working on my own, one thing that, that, that I really, <laughs> It's so weird. The one thing that I never ever wanted to be is was work in a rehab. <laughs> it just I I could not see myself doing that. And to start addiction counseling on your own without ever being in a rehab was was quite scary and quite quite a different approach. Mm. So um and I sat behind my desk one day and I realized that I'm actually too afraid to do this. I need to I need to change the belief that I can't do it or that I'm not worthy or that I'm afraid of being criticized and all those type of things. And I called a friend who does TRN matrix and she popped in the next day and lay me down on that couch and did a matrix session with me. And it, it worked like hell. It, it was, I, I virtually sat up straight after that session and I knew this, I'm good enough. I can do this. I'm going to do this. But I haven't actually done the matrix re-imprinting, but the, the, you know, the EFT, the sort of, you know, more, more basic version is also phenomenal, you know, um, yeah. I think, you know, all these techniques, or certainly QVC is, is about creating new neural pathways. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've got a belief of I'm a bad public speaker, you know, that's that sort of, you know, within a kind of neural pathway in a sense. Yeah. To be able to change that. 
whether you use these energy techniques or the body oriented approach, um, which seem to be, you know, um, yeah. very effective. How long is one of those sessions? QEC sessions? Yeah, it's an hour session and most uh, of my clients maybe come for about six sessions and similarly to the tapping and the TRE, after you've done about six sessions, you can then do, do it by yourself. So I love okay. to be able to give my clients something that they can practice you know, by themselves, they can carry yeah. on doing it and then come back to me once a month or once every couple of months because you know, people don't have time or money to, to stay with a therapist, you know. Yeah, That's one absolutely. why I'm so passionate about TRE because you can have a thousand people in the room with enough yeah. facilities and help a large group of people and that's yeah. these these days, you know. And, and the quantum energy, can that also be done in groups? Yes, it can also be done in groups, yeah. And the tapping, yeah. Oh, my mind is now working overtime. <laughs> Because I do these um, self-esteem workshops. Ah. And I'm wondering whether I should incorporate you into one of them and do a quantum energy what? QER? Quantum energy coaching, QEC. QEC. And do yeah. a do a quantum energy coaching session and see how that how that goes down. Yeah, because QEC, I mean, if you're doing it in a group, you know, you could just sort of choose generic uh, limiting statements like... Yeah. Um, I'm not worthy or I deserve nothing. Well, if everybody is there for the reason that they have low self-esteem, the, the thought yeah. that they're not worthy and yeah. yeah. So 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 the, the, it's it's a it's a group with, with one purpose. Yeah. Um, so one can work on that. Francis and today, husband and children, working mother, how do you balance everything? Um it's a challenge. It's <laughs> a challenge. That's why I do things like running. That's why I, do, I practice TRE myself. That's why I do tapping on myself. That's why I do QVC myself. That's why I've just done this amazing 21-day abundance challenge. So, yeah, I know that the field that I'm working in is stressful. I know that having two young kids is stressful. So I have to find ways, and I'm always on the lookout for new ways to manage my stress. And it doesn't always work, you know. But... Yeah. If I'm consistent, then I, I, I've always thought of myself as generally quite a calm person. You know, if I don't use any of those techniques, I'm not calm. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And is your husband also in the healing field, or does he think you weird, <laughs> like mine? <laughs> he, yeah, he's never tried any of my techniques. No, he is a horticulturist. Okay. So he's a plant guy. But he's actually sort of morphed into he was he was in charge of the baboons on the southern peninsula for a couple of years. Oh wow! Then, oh, cool. uh, so he, he did plants and he did animals, and for the last uh, five years he's been managing private residential estates, and now he's just moved into security. So he's now selling security. So he's a very okay. capable man that seems to be able to morph and shift. Yeah. Quite easily, yeah. Oh, but, awesome. But he's a na he's a nature lover, and that's what I am too. You know, a lot okay. of the time he spends going for a walk on the beach or sitting in the garden. You know, our garden is really you know it's incredible because he's a horticulturist. He's made our garden uh, oh. indigenous. So um, lovely. You know, there's there's that strong connection there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So, Francis, tell me about the community work. You say you say it's community work. Am I correct? Yes. 
Yes. So most of my working life is I've been working in the private sector, you know, wanting to get more into the community. And what we are currently, or what I've currently been doing in the last year is taking TRE to one of the townships where I live, um, close to where I live, and <laughs> offering TRE to an aftercare centre there. And we actually did this amazing pilot, or we did six weeks, we took a break, we did another six weeks working with kids between six and 11. Oh. And, you know, they were in the beginning presenting with typical symptoms like bedwetting and nightmares and behavioral problems. And after six sessions, the bedwetting had gone. Are you serious? Nightmares had stopped. The sleeping had improved. They, they were the, the mummers who look, who work with them at the aftercare center described them as behavior, behaviorally less challenging. Um, they also described a couple of the girls who'd been through some very, very difficult times who had been so, so um, uh, quiet and reserved, starting to talk to the point where they were able to share their incidents with the social workers, which oh, led wow. to them being able to go to the courts and actually, you know, justice was, was served. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. So we did another six weeks, you know, and there were also, you know, quite, quite similar results. And then for the last year, I've been trying to fundraise and we weren't really getting where, anywhere and, you know, it just wasn't really happening. And so we thought, well, let's make it wider. So this is where we're at at the moment is we've now secured funding to train up about 10 to 15 community workers. Oh, wow. Deep South, so the Southern Peninsula of Cape Town. So we're talking Ocean View, Massey, Fishhook, Nurtuk, the whole to train them up in TRE, so that they can then take TRE to fantastic. work. So on Friday we had our first kind of free intro, and we had about thirty people arrive from different centres from the Southern Peninsula. And oh, it was Francis, that's I've got I've got goosebumps. That's yeah, a, that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely amazing because, I mean, they all got to experience theory, so it was a lovely mm -hmm. theory group. And then we explained, you know, this is our hope, this is our dream. Yeah. And the fact that we got funding, you know, I mean, uh, it was uh, incredible, you know. And this all happened after the Abundance Challenge. Oh, my God! That's wonderful! <laughs> oh, my God, that is so awesome! Yeah. I'm so glad you, you got me back online to do... To do this, this part of the conversation. So, this is such amazing work. I am so chuffed to hear that. Mm, and what yeah. amazing results. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. So, well fucking done, girlfriend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it to hear when people really make a difference. And this is difference at grassroots. So, well done. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, and it's like working with the kids, I suppose, because I've got kids, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm used to being around kids. And, you know, it was so amazing. I was working with two of my colleagues, um, Bobby Jean-Jacques and um, uh, Chris Van Rijn. They were helping me at the Kids Centre. And it was so uplifting. You know, we had so much fun with these kids doing the TRE. Awesome. And the results, you know, it was incredible. Uh, that's, that's so good. That is such a feel-good story. You must actually... On News 24, mm -hmm. they run a Landisa. Yeah. Log on to News 24. They are looking for feel-good stories. Ah. Okay. Get, get, get them out there to 
to to hear this story because this is a feel good story. This is well, you know on the same day that we received the funding, I got a phone call from Carte Blanche. Oh my word! And I was like, oh, this is incredible because David Baselli, the founder of TRE, came here about seven years ago, and he's coming here this week to do oh, another wow. TRE workshop, another training. Yeah. And uh, Carte Blanche is wanting to do a, a follow-up. Um, oh, wow. And then we're going to take them to the community, to this kids' center, and show them the work, the work that we've been doing. So, you know, this this is the real work that I'm passionate Rima, about. Rima, Rima, no wonder you, you were excited to, to, to get me back. I'm so glad you did. Well done on, 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 on asking for your needs to be met. Something yeah. that I find difficult still. And I'm going to end the recording. Francis, thank you so very much. I really, really enjoyed our, our, our little chat, and you've Thanks. definitely got the grey matter going. <laughs> so um, I shall be in touch. <laughs> but I really appreciate. It. Thank you for taking the time. And um, what I normally do with clients who, who who come and sit with me, they get one of these armbands as a thank you gift. Oh, thank so, you. oh, but I'm seeing you on Thursday, so you can you, you can choose. Do you want a an armband or do you want a PDF copy of my book Life and On? Woo. Um, I would love to have a copy of the book. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll email you a copy of the book. So that is the thank you gift for being on Meet Me in the Field. And enjoy the rest of your day. And I'm seeing you on Thursday to shake a little bit. <laughs> Looking forward to it. See ya. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. I have to correct something. During the chat, when I was talking about a friend doing TRE on me, I meant to say EFT, Emotional Freedom Tapping. I did not say TRE once, but twice, and I was supposed to be EFT each time. Oy. I'm so happy to have been called back for the last part of this interview. I'm terribly excited for Frances and the amazing work she's doing in the community. I'm even more excited to hear about the wonderful effect TRE has on these children. Watch out for her program on carte blanche on this. I wish Frances all of the best on her fabulous healing work. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.